Blog Talk Radio. Good evening on a lovely Monday evening in Swampy, Florida. This is Dr. Simon. I did a show last week on the idea of the self. And I realized when I hung up that I was kind of pleased with the show. But what I didn't do was discuss its sister or its twin topic, identity. And as we'll see, uh, identity is very often confused by people as the self. Now, as I said last week, what I believe the self to be, as the best professors I know have taught me, and as I have figured out for myself, the self is really based in experience. It's the feeling of what happens when we make an observation, when we make an action uh, that in some way might affect another person, when another person makes an action or does something that can affect us. It's perceptual. It's emotional. But it really, especially early in life, doesn't have words attached to it. But the moment we are born, we are given an identity. The moment our parents and the people we live with and the community we live in recognize that we are and will be a sentient human being, that is, an experienced human being, an individual who has and will develop a self, we are given an identity. The, the first thing that usually happens in the hospital where we're born is a birth certificate is filled out. And our identity is given in terms of a family name and a personal name, a real name for ourselves. I, I am Lawrence Simon. I belong to the family Simon. And uh, my individual person is given the name Lawrence, and I use really, uh, since I've been a child, the nickname Larry. So when somebody talks to me, my wife or whoever, she says, Larry, can you do this? Larry, did we get a phone call? Larry, Larry, Larry. She is talking to me, and I experience the name in an important way, but the name is my identity and not myself. The self is the experience of being Larry in relation to my wife, to my friends, and to anybody else who might call me that. Um, my uh, family name, not my given name, my family name is Simon. And when I work as a professional, I am Dr. Simon, uh, because the doctor is a name an identity given to me because I have gone to school and passed certain exams and uh, the state in which I live and other states that I have lived in, lived in will tell me that I have the right to uh, give myself the identity and call myself a doctor. As we grow, we learn that we are part of many other identities or aspects of identity, uh, we have a place in our community, the town we live in, uh, the tribe that we belong to, 
Now, in our society, we feel we're too advanced to believe we're in a tribe, but I do believe we are part of a tribe. Uh, in the United States, uh, the tribe is, can be fluent, uh, but any kind of grouping that helps us define ourselves in a certain way gives us definition, and it could be uh, that we are Democrats or Republicans, and let me spend a second on that, because at this point, the political polarization of our country has uh, become a dominant feature of our identities. Uh, people say with pride they are Democrats and Republicans. And people, uh, in many ways, won't talk to somebody who identifies themselves as either a Democrat or a Republican. One of the things that really blew me away a year or two ago was the idea that for the first time in American history, uh, people would object to their children marrying somebody of the other political party. It has always been, as I'll get to in a second, that our identity in terms of religion was critical to who we were as human beings and what group we belonged to and what tribe we belonged to. Uh, and that, uh, when I was very young, if I said I was marrying out of the Jewish faith, my mother might have had a heart attack. And the mother of the person and the father of the person who discovered that their Catholic or Protestant daughter was going to marry a Jew might have not only had a heart attack, but it could have been much worse. So religion uh, that defines our tribe uh, is, is important. So we have political identity, uh, which was never important, but is now critically important. And for the first time in history, uh, people uh, are more uh, afraid of their child marrying across political lines than even religious lines. Uh, as a society, we've become more uh, relaxed about religion. But now it's the tribe and the identity that that tribe uh, uh, pushes us into, defines us in our identity, uh, is more political. One of the important identities we have is our economic class. The amount of money your family has and the opportunities that money gives you defines much of everybody's identity. Uh, who am I? Uh, given my father's income, my mother's income, to go to this college or that college or join this country club or that country club. Now, country clubs also could be based upon religion, and as I'll talk in a moment, race. But these are very important aspects of how we become identified. Religion is very important, economic class, uh, middle class, lower class, and what we are going through in our society now is a definition of working class versus upper class, the elite classes, and this has taken a big toll on the way people see themselves and experience their lives um, and the opportunities they have uh, to live their life out. Uh, race is an incredibly important uh, identifier of our identity. identity. Uh, and I, if you read my, my uh, uh, opening about this, 
I put race in quotes because there is no such thing as race. One of the worst uh, boondockles, one of the worst uh, pieces of nonsense that our species has ever gotten itself into is based on the notion of race. That somehow skin color uh, defines you and has to define you and your worth as a human being uh, and who you should marry and how you should live your life uh, because race somehow relates to a biological basic difference between one person and another, one group and another. Biologists recognize there is only one species of Homo sapien. And species are defined by the ability of one individual and another individual, male and female in this case, uh, to have ch children, for the male to impregnate the female. And regardless of your color, regardless of how your hair is, regardless of your skin tint, there are no two human beings of any so-called race who can't propagate the species. And the number of genes, the genetic differences between races, are less than the number of differences uh, between the members of the same family. In order for us within our families and our groups not to pass on certain diseases, we have all kinds of variety of genetic differences uh, that prevent diseases from being transmitted from generation to generation. And these are greater than the small number of differences that define the texture of our hair, the color of our skin, or certain aspects of our physique. Race is absolutely a crazy, sick idea that has defined people, given them identity, and allowed one group of one tribe to do and treat others of another tribe in ways uh, that are, in many cases, atrocious, but based upon a total falsehood. But these identities go very, very deep. So what happens when we are given identity? If our identity is comfortable to us, and I say this all the time, if we are loved, if we are respected, if we are treated so that we are pushed to become members of our so-called group, the identity group, our tribe, but allowed to experience the world and act on it and, 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 and feel about it in a way that is comfortable for us, given our own individual differences and our own genetic aspects of being a separate individual human being, things can work out. But much of the time, that is not the case. What happens often with identity is that we are told that the experienced self and our identity are not one with one another, but are in conflict. And so that what we experience has to conform to what our tribal identity 
tells us is true and what needs to be experienced. Um, I've known many people who are very bigoted, but they will have close friends or a friend or somebody they're comfortable with from the bigoted other group. And when you ask them, if you do, why are you so upset with blacks or whites or Jews or Christians or Catholics, and yet you can be such good friends with this individual, the response is, because they're different. And the difference is, is that this individual can see the basic humanity in the other and recognize that the self of the other, the way they experience them and the world around them, has all kinds of powerful overlaps between the way they, as a human being, experience the world and feel themselves to be as an actor, as the recipient of actions. Get hit on the head by a hammer of any religion, any race, any group, and it feels much the same. And yet we are taught that when our priest or rabbi or cleric, when our parent and our politicians the group I seem to have more and more uh, bad feelings about in terms of their ability to give us an identity. The, the, the conflict becomes, are we going to believe our own experience of another person, our own experience of what we have done to affect another human being, our own experience of what we see to, that feels true and right, or are what we're going to believe, what they tell us, and therefore believe them and not our own eyes, and not our own nose, and not our own skin, and not our own actions. And the deepest, some of the deepest conflicts in human beings are between what they discover they believe to be so and true for themselves and what they have been taught about another group, another religion, and another race. And all through my life, I have discovered and worked with people who would fall in love with another human being of another race, of another religion. I haven't been doing enough therapy to uh, discover what happens <clears throat> when somebody who's a Republican falls in love with a Democrat or vice versa. And what happens when they bring this individual home and they say, this is the person I want to tie my life to. This is the person I love. This is what I experience as the best thing that's ever happened to me, that myself and their self can join <clears throat> and we can communicate and experience together something that I have never been able to experience or communicate with another human being the conflicts, the fighting, the rejections. I think I've talked about this once before. One of the earliest uh, cases I ever worked with, uh, this goes back into the 1960s, was a young woman who came from an Orthodox Jewish family, and she fell in love with a non-Jew. And her father uh, and her mother were beside themselves. You have to marry a Jew. 
And she said, but I'm in love with this man. And what would happen was that she married him and the father said the prayer for the dead for her. And as she put it, as we talked about it, his religion and his religious principles were greater than what might be called his love for her. What was interesting is that the mother was in terrible torment and conflict about this. And when she told the mother, without the father finding out that she was pregnant, the mother began to be her mother again because being a grandmother and being uh, involved with her child and the experience of love she had for the daughter and the mother totally superseded what happened to the father. When the mother became involved with her and the baby once it was born, uh, she was content with it herself and she stopped coming for therapy and I never found out what happened ultimately if and when the father found out that mother had betrayed him and his religious principles and his religious identity, which allowed him to deny the very existence and life of his daughter. Now, uh, I could be respectful of him, but I'm sorry. I have problems when somebody looks at somebody of another race and sees them as an enemy that sees them as non-human, that sees them as dangerous, that sees them as somebody that has to be outside of their experience of that human being. And we have such terrible problems involving the pseudo-concept of race and the pseudo-concept of religion. Uh, I happen to believe, as many of you know, if you listen to my show, God is a figment Religion is a figment of our identity, of, of, our, of our ideas, uh, and that what supersedes all is having love and respect and kindness for every human being that we meet and treating ourselves ultimately as a full human being who demands for ourselves and for others love and dignity and ultimately an ability to create uh, with that love and dignity, only something that we can create because it comes from the basis of what we experience that I have called the soul. A person can be called, uh, taught to deny the self that feels real. Now, I talked about this last week and I have to say it again. There are no real selves there are no real selves, but there are selves, that is, experiences that feel real. I have worked I, many years in a clinic in Queens, uh, and before we moved the clinic from the building we were in into the hospital, a large number of the patients that I saw, the people that I saw, uh, were the children of alcoholics. And what would happen is that they were taught to deny the reality of what they experienced as daddy, sometimes mommy, but mostly daddy, was drunk. Mommy very often aligned with daddy 
for whatever the reasons were, and we could talk about uh, the, the differences in, in sexual power and identity power between men and women, and the fear that so many of these women had, because that's what I did experience with my work with families, that if daddy left them and mommy had never really developed her own skills, her own abilities uh, to uh, take care of her children economically or socially on her own, uh, her investment was in protecting daddy. Also, Daddy was very often, not always, but very often violent towards mommy. And she knew what was, quote, good for her if she stood up to daddy. And so in these families and in any situation where people deny what feels real for them, for what they're told is the truth, daddy is not drunk. Daddy just doesn't feel well. Daddy has a virus. Daddy has a headache. Okay? And we mustn't upset Daddy. Under no circumstances do we upset Daddy. This conflict always produces tremendous anxiety. Anxiety, as I've said many times before, is the emotion that tells us we're being bullshitted, that we're being we're trying to convince ourselves that something we feel deep down to be so and true, we have to deny for whatever reason we have to deny it. And so the children and families of these alcoholic-dominated families, where mommy says, daddy doesn't feel well, and gets upset with the child who says, but I could smell and I could see that daddy is drunk and has been drinking. The child starts to deny the reality of the basic self, the truth of the self, not because there's a true self, but because the experience that defines the self tells him this is so. Tremendous anxiety, tremendous anger, Tremendous conflict with mother, with father, with the self. Very often what happens as we grow, we define ourselves in moral terms. Not always, not sometimes, always. I am a good person. And one of the worst things to feel is I am a bad person. I don't have any value as a human being. I'm not worthy of respect. I am not worthy of my right to continue living. I am not worthy to love or to be loved. And I have seen this all through my career, and I see this all the time with many of the people I know personally, and sometimes have felt this in myself. That is, I am not worthy as a human being. This happens to people who are put down racially, people who are attacked religiously, people who are defined by their parents in one way or another as bad people. I'm sorry you were born. How many times I heard that from patients over the 50 years of my career. Uh, some of my favorites, and I put this on other shows, you were the abortion that failed. 
when you came into life, my marriage to your father or your mother was ruined. You destroyed everything. You're the worst person that's ever lived. You're a piece of shit. Get out of my sight. You disgust me. You hear these things and see these things all the time. And when the individual now tries to become a good person in the eyes of those who take care of them, who give them life, it very often means that they have to bury all of their feelings and they have to define themselves in the way in which the, it, that will get them some acceptance and some love. In Brave New World, George Orwell described this probably better than anyone. And in many ways, we're living through Orwellian world uh, in, in our modern politics. In order to get along, I have to see the world the way the politicians see it. What I know to be so is fake news, a delusion. I once had a fight with a psychiatrist who, when I presented a case to my group of a woman who had been badly abused by the father, he said, she's delusional, said the psychiatrist. I know the father. He would never do that to the daughter. And there was no question from what the daughter had described to me that she only wanted her father's love and there was no motive for making this up except from the terrible pain she had as a human being because in order to get the father's love, she had to become something. That is, a self that experiences not the way would be natural to her, not the way she would act for herself, for the love of others, but to please the brutality of this father and reduce the pain he inflicted upon her. Freud was a very smart guy. And he said, you don't have to act on your feelings, but you need to know them. You have to know what your emotions are. You have to know what your wishes are. Important. You end up acting on these things if they're your real self. They're part of the self that feels real. I'm sorry, I should never have said your real self because there's no real self. It's the self, the feelings that feel real. You can choose not to act on a sexual desire. You can choose not to act to hit somebody you really want to hit over the head. You could choose not to act to do in a variety of things. But what you can't choose is the fact that you believe that you have this sexual desire, that you believe you want to do something in relation to your marriage or your friendships. And by believing what it is you feel, that is believing what the self recognizes as real, as fundamental, you have choice. So much of the acting out that people do involves a denial of the basic feelings that people have and acting upon what they're supposed to feel in order to be a good person or in order to avoid some terrible punishment or whatever. Well, I'm coming to the end of this. I think I've said what I wanted to say. 
Hopefully our identity comes to us from those who love us, who respect us, who see us and want us to be part of their family or their group or their religion, but will accept the differences that we experience to be real and puts them in conflict with those individuals. When the conflict between child and adult, between woman and man, between tribe and tribe, leads to brutality, leads to uh, denial, when it leads to uh, demonization and, and, and uh, dehumanization, it produces the worst in human behavior and it produces the worst in each of us as a living self. Conflict, self-hatred, denial of what we feel, uh, inability to follow a path that might lead us to be a creative, loving human being. Well, I think that does it. I think I've been on about a half an hour and nobody should be punished by having to listen to me, or actually anybody else, for much more than half an hour. I'm going to wait about 60 minutes or so and see that maybe somebody will call in. Uh, there is no answer to this, by the way, in terms of uh, I find myself looking at the political situation now and literally trying to avoid the news and dropping out of, of the political process, even as I try very hard to support those candidates, I believe, who are still in some way decent human beings and don't put their own political careers and their own identity as Republicans or Democrats. And by the way, I think the Republicans are much worse about this than the Democrats, but it's, it's, it goes both ways. It goes both sides. Um, it's very difficult. I start to feel myself going mad when, when uh, the, the, anything that I believe and experience to be true and so is defined as fake news or a lie. And, and uh, more and more of media seems to pick up on that. I feel sorry for many young people today who live in the alternate universe of, of uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook and other media, social media, in which um, any lie, any non-truth, anything that somebody believes to be true that I would experience to be a delusion or a false belief, something that they convinced of, of themselves of because of some terrible inner pain that uh, is in conflict with what they were forced to believe in order to have love, in order not to be punished, not to be even put to death. Um, very difficult. Very, very difficult. I don't have a great view of the future for myself. I just turned 77. I don't have a long future. But for my children, and especially my grandchildren, who have, as we say, their whole lives put together to, to live, uh, I find this a very difficult time and wonder and hope 
that things will not turn out as bad for the real, the selves that feel real and relationships that are honest and open, that are non-judgmental, that are non-dehumanizing and non-demonizing, that seem to dominate the public interaction as we see it today. Well, there's nobody calling in, so it's time to uh, put the cars in the garage and have some dessert. And so I think I'm going to end my episode now.